Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, good evening, everybody. Let's, uh, let's, uh, we'll open with prayer here. We're going to wrap up our series here on Seated in Heavenly Places. And then uh, we're going to move on to something else next week. Um, actually, I think I'm at, well, on Wednesday nights, I'm going to do a series called free will and I'm going to, uh, talk about, uh, God's will. Well, if you saw the slide, you'd understand it, but it talks about human will, God's will, and then, or, uh, it talks, sorry, God's will, Satan's will and free will in the middle, which is humanity. And I'm going to hit the, uh, I'm actually going to talk about the issue of the sovereignty of God, the statements of, uh, you know, uh, that people make like God is in control of everything, those type of things. I'm going to hit those from the scripture and we're going to talk about those things um, and just give some definition to it and some, you know, I, I think sometimes in church, well, I know this because I've heard it for years, <laughs> um, people make comments about the Lord when things happen and they're general blanket statements and they really don't have the actual context of scripture and who God really says he is in them. And, uh, and a lot of times God gets blamed for a lot of things and even the devil for things that neither of them did. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, we're going to look at that and it's going to be good. Uh, we'll talk about some of the things that God obviously has say in and some of the things that he doesn't. How many of you know that God overall knows what's going to happen? Because the Bible says he spoke the, the end from the beginning. It's actually in Genesis, the end. Isn't that interesting? Um, but th- how many know in between that those marks, there's more than one will going on? Okay, there's the Lord's will that's happening, which we can choose to participate in. And then there's Satan's will that's going on as well in the earth. Because we, uh, Adam and Eve, allowed him into the picture. And so there's a lot of things going on all at once. And uh, sometimes confusion happens. And we're, I'm, we're, I'm not going to pretend like we're going to clear up all the doctrinal issues. That's just, we, I'm not that smart. Yeah, sorry, I know. I just, you know, it's like who the Antichrist is. I have no idea. I <laughs> we could go on forever. So anyway, uh, that'll be next week. We're going to start on that. And then... Um, I want to pray this, uh, hi to all the Facebook people that are watching or will. I know we have a few that watch on Wednesday nights, but then also the ones that will later. Um, I want to pray for uh, Mary Jo and Jess Piper, uh, little Lola, their daughter. I think you guys, some of you probably saw her a couple of weeks ago. Um, she was here. She was born a little premature, and they're going to go in and do some surgery on her kidney uh, this Friday. Uh, just to open some things up. And so we just want to lift them up. Uh, really, we've already prayed for them. But we're just going to unite our faith again and just believe God with them for comfort, for peace, and wisdom for the doctors. And everything's going to run smooth and she'll come in and out and be just fine. Amen? So we'll we'll pray for her. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, I lift up Mary Jo and Jess to you. And Lola, Father, I just uh, speak blessing and peace over them, Father, as well. Lord, I know that your Holy Spirit is our comforter, that you comfort us. And I just ask that you comfort right now, Lord Jess and Mary Jo. Lord, I know that your hand is on Lola and on this situation. And I just know in my heart, Lord, that 
um, that you're going to be with them all the way through the surgery, that it will go smoothly, and she'll come out strong and be gaining weight and growing uh, just like she's supposed to. Father, she's got a purpose and a call, and she'll remain here in the name of Jesus to fulfill that call. But Lord, really, we unite our faith together as a family, as a church, and believe you for that comfort and that strength, the wisdom and quick healing and recovery for for Lola. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you think about her, just thank God that God's moving on their behalf, amen? So, um, and don't panic. They'll be fine, amen? You say, how can you say that? Because I know inside. (laughs) You say, you're just making a positive confession. Well, I'm positive that I know on the inside. (laughs) You say, well, is it always like that? No, it's not always like that. There are times I know on the inside that something's not going to go right. And you have to, sometimes I get in and pray and try and figure it out. Sometimes I'm able to fix it. Sometimes I'm not. But in this case, I have a good sense about it. So that's that's good. Amen. God's good. So let's go over to, um, actually, I'm going to have you go to John 14. And uh, tonight I want to talk about Holy Spirit leading and jurisdiction. Uh, If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Um, if you want to give it a title, Holy Spirit leading and jurisdiction. Really, uh, another way of saying this is, uh, as far as the service uh, tonight, uh, thinking as we're going through the scriptures, I'd like you to think in terms of relationship authority rather than principal authority. Okay, so what I mean by that is this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show from the scriptures that it's going to feel like I'm contradicting myself, but I'm actually not, okay? So I'm going to go from scripture to scripture and show you different ways that authority was exercised. And what I want you to realize more than anything through this is, you know, we talked about the position that we have. We talked about we have authority and we have power and there are two different words and how to exercise authority over the enemy. We submit to God. We resist the devil. We use the name of Jesus. The enemy has to flee from us. We talked about the armor of God, the purpose of the armor of God, the the reality of the fact that we have the strength when we're fully armored to withstand in the evil day. But what I want you to see in all of this is this, is that sometimes, well, really, it's just, it's it's the common... uh, kind of tendency, flow, lean of man to to lean into principles rather than relationship. Okay, and so, and this is easy to do. My background is word of faith. So we were, we sat under teaching for years on systems and how to, you know, what to say, what not to say, how to work in in principles, how to work in uh, systems. And there's nothing essentially wrong with that. In fact, I've functioned in those things and may and they work you know what i mean in a sense but really if you want to if you want to be most effective in the authority that you have the best way to do that is to be living in the reality of your position from a place of relationship well i'm going to take it even another level a place of fellowship okay because you can have a relationship and not have a fellowship it's possible Okay, there are people that are legally married, but they're just really roommates. (laughs) I mean, it's just a fact, you know what I mean? They just have learned to live together. 
And they don't want to get divorced because, you know, you shouldn't get divorced. You know, it's just the wrong thing to do. So, but there are people, there are other people that have a relationship, but they have fellowship in their relationship. Uh, like the scripture talks about the two become one, okay? And, um, and so even with the Lord, and the picture is, of this is the Lord in the church. You're supposed to be one with the Lord. In fact, the Lord is so, so supposed, to be, supposed to be your source that nothing else can really hinder that. Do you know you can have external hindrances and still have a good relationship with the Lord? So a lot of times, I think people, and I know we, I've done it, it's easy to do because of our natural world and the natural world we live in, but it's easy to allow your circumstances to dictate the level of your joy in your relationship with the Lord, which is actually not supposed to happen at all. We actually have the ability in Christ to live completely outside of the circumstances and still have joy. Why? Because it's based on your relationship with him, not on your circumstances. A lot of times, even in the word of faith, and I'm a word of faith guy, I believe the promises of God. But you know, God's still God whether you have the promise or not. And you can still have fellowship with him. He's still the Lord. You don't, you don't have to be concerned about... Um, well, you don't have to allow these external things to dictate your level of joy and peace. Um, when you're strong in the Lord, you can be at peace and be at rest. Well, Jesus demonstrated it to us. You can be as well, Peter demonstrated it to us. But you could, Jesus fell asleep in the back of the boat. Peter fell asleep in a jail cell where he was going to be executed the next day. Now, how do you do that? Most people would be like, bring me a sedative. <laughs> you know what I mean? They they would not they would not so this is the reality. Peter understood his Lord above his jail cell. God was more real to him than his prison sentence, his prison sentence and execution. To the point where he's sleeping. Come on, think about it. An angel's in there and has to hit him to wake him up. He is so gone, he thinks he's having a dream. The angel's like, we gotta go. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's go, boy, get, get your stuff together here. So I want you to think in terms of relationships. So let's go to John 14. Okay, John 14, verse 10 says this. Jesus said this, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who what? Dwells in me does the works. So what word do I see there? Authority. But where is that authority functioning from? Within the Father. The Father that is in me does the works. So your authority is most effective out from within your relationship in Him. Does that make sense? Okay, so sometimes, you know, and it's okay, you know, don't get, don't get so like, uh, I used to do this. Don't get, if you're, if this is new to you, don't get overly concerned that you're just doing it all right. Realize you're in a relationship. Um, like with me and Heidi, when we first started dating, <laughs> we did not do it all right. You know what I mean? She did stuff. She was, I did stuff I wasn't supposed to. You know what I mean? We broke up at one time. Then we got back together. And I thought it was the end of the world. You know? I thought she, I was supposed to marry her. And we broke up. And even my father-in-law told me, well, maybe you're not supposed to be married. I don't know. 
You know, that didn't comfort me at all. <laughs> we didn't do all the relationship things right, but guess what? We are just still today together, right? So think of your relationship with God that way. You're not going to do everything just right, but God's not in heaven going, oh, you said that wrong. That's it. You know, didn't you, didn't you read my scripture where I said you can have what you say? Is that really what you want? You know, but that's not the Lord. He's not doing that. Now he'll help you in your, in your conversation. But over time, as you grow closer to the Lord, the reality is really what's happening is you're gaining a greater understanding of how close you already are. I'm going to say that again, okay? You're gaining a greater understanding of how close you already are to the Lord as you, as you walk with Him. You cannot get any closer to the Lord from the moment that you're born again in the Spirit. It's done. The Bible says that He puts His Spirit within you. Well, how much closer are you going to get? You know, it's one thing if Mike is sitting next to Jody. It's another thing if I pick Mike up and put him inside Jody. That's real close. You ain't getting any closer than that. You know what I mean? So God in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It takes time to develop that. And your mind needs to be renewed to the reality of who he is in you. The more your mind... See, I don't struggle with what I did 23, 24 years ago. Why? Because I'm closer to him. And, I, and those, those things where the enemy was able to get at me, today I look at him and I go, you got to be kidding me. You think I'm going to go back to that? That's, that, is t that was horrible. The, Satan was a terrible master. It was horrible. I didn't want any part of it. You know what I mean? Because why? My relationship with the Lord has grown. So we see here, Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. He said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So, there are uh, two extremes that I have seen concerning what we are talking about in this section of the message. The first extreme is this. I see, I see is Christians who use the truth of jurisdiction and being led by the Holy Spirit as an excuse for no fruit in their life. In other words, the Lord never leads them to do anything. And this stems mostly from fear. Okay? I'm talking about jurisdiction and being led by the Holy Spirit. So there are two extremes that we're going to hit here. The first one is the Holy Spirit. I, I constantly w would hear a person say, the Holy Spirit didn't lead me to do anything ever. <laughs> okay, that's not the Lord. The Lord is not having you sit on the sidelines as a believer. Okay, he's not. The other extreme is that, that I have seen in the area of authority is this. Christians who cannot walk down the street without trying to pray or witness to every person they see. And that's zeal without knowledge. Now, and we're going to hit these different things, okay, as we go. If you can't live in peace unless you preach Jesus to every single person you come across, you're not hearing the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is not doing that to you. You're not, you're, it's, it's almost like a panic comes over people. Well, what if they go to hell? Well, I generally believe that the Lord can use more than one person. And so we need to realize that. Now, now the other extreme is this. The, they're never led to do anything, ever. 
And that's fear as well. It's this idea. And so we get to find the happy middle. How many have realized you're constantly looking for balance here in this life? Okay? You're always going to be. Stop worrying about it. Just realize it and walk in faith. Okay? Don't let the enemy beat you up. Don't turn it. Don't, <laughs> don't let the enemy turn it into something that it shouldn't be. Cut him off. Realize, Lord, I want to be led by you today. Show me what I'm supposed to do today. And then walk through your day. And if, if, if you don't, if there isn't anything specific that you sense, go to bed at night and be at peace. Wake up the next day and do it all over again. But don't worry and fret yourself either way. Well, I don't want their blood to be on my hands. You are not the only person that knows the Lord. Amen. Okay? There are others. How many know God generally knows the address and phone number of any, every human on the planet? He just has a good directory. He knows where people are at. How many, do you, how many of you think that people will get to the end of their life and they'll be able to stand before God and go, you never revealed yourself to me? It's not going to happen. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a light and a witness. But what I am saying is, is that you need to be led and you need to find that balance. Get in the middle and stay there. Amen? If you know you're supposed to do something, then do it. So, Mark 16, 14. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a passage of Scripture here and then I'm going to contradict it right on the other side. Alright? So just get ready. And it's going to make sense because I'll make it, you know, the Holy Spirit. How many know the Bible does not contradict itself? Okay? So Mark 16, 14 says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked them. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So that was a good greeting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they get a vision of Jesus right after it's all over. What's the first thing he says to them? Hey, guys, I can't believe you didn't believe, you stinkers. <laughs> okay, you were supposed to believe. Okay, so verse 15, he says, he said to them, go into what? All the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, there are two significant words there. Do you see them? They are all and every. Go into where? All the world and preach to every creature. Okay? This is something that you need to realize about this verse. This is a general word to the body of Christ. Okay? This is a general word to the body of Christ. The whole body of Christ is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and perform signs and wonders... But that does not mean that you specifically are to travel to all the world and preach to everybody. Do you see the difference? Okay. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Did those 12 apostles or did those 11, I guess at this time, did they go into all the world? They did not. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said go into all the all the world, and preach to every creature, right? So we need to realize this is not a word that says to, 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 to um, you as an individual, you've got to go to travel to every part of the world and somehow find a way to preach to every person, you individually. This is a general word 
excuse me, to the body of Christ. Amen? Okay. So the world will be ministered to by the corporate body of Christ, not by one individual. This is why we must be led by the Holy Spirit in what we do. Okay, let's go uh, to... Um, uh, skip down to verse 20. Or verse 19. It says, So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached where? The Lord working with them and confirming the word with accompanying signs. So the Lord worked with them. They went into all the world and they, the, the world that they were in and preached the gospel to every person or everywhere. And so... They, they fulfilled, they began to fulfill what God had called them to do. But they never reached, like I said, they never reached the entire planet. Now let's go over to Acts 16. Acts 16, verse 6. We're going to go over there. This is Paul. And this is called the Macedonian call, is what it's labeled as. But I want you to see something. So we just read a scripture. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you have authority in a general sense to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Yeah, you do, because you've been told to do it. Okay? Acts 16, 6. Now, when they had gone through Fergia and the region of Galatia, they were what? Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to what? Preach the word in what? But I thought Mark 16 said go into all the world. Last time I checked, Asia is part of the world. Is the Holy Spirit the author of the word? <laughs> Is the Holy Spirit confused? You say, what are you, why are you doing this? I'm bringing up the point so that you don't, you don't get confused. These are general words and you have to be... Our authority functions by the leading of the Holy Spirit and jurisdictions. And right now, for whatever reason... The Holy Spirit knows there's no point in sending Paul and the boys to Asia. Don't go. In other words, Paul and the crew are doing what? They're running everywhere and anywhere to preach. And in the middle of that, they had a urge, don't go here. Yeah. How many know Paul could go, I don't think that's the Holy Ghost. Because I know... Jesus said, come on, okay, so, so what do we know? We know that we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Go into the, all the world is a word to the church, but it may not be a word to you. Your world may be billings. You may never go out of it. I mean, I'm sure many of you have gone outside of billings since, but the, the world that you are called to may be just right here. And you're supposed to be a light to all this area. But let me ask you a question. Even if your world was just billings, do you really think you could get to every person? No, we are to function in fellowship and relationship with the Lord. And out of that, he'll lead us into areas where we're to exercise authority by his leading. And that will be our jurisdiction. Now, in a general sense, you have jurisdiction over your own family. There are some just spiritual legalities that we won't be able to get into all of that you have in your family because it's your world. Okay? There, how many know there's legalities in the natural that I have over my own house, my own family, all of that? Well, it's the same in the spirit. 
Like we talked about before, I can't come into your house and rearrange the furniture. I can't walk in and go, I have authority in the name of Jesus in this place. Move that couch over there. And the owner of the house will look at you and go, get out of my house before I call the cops. Why? Because I don't have legal right there. You do. Okay? And so the same is true with these things. So what is the Holy Spirit telling Paul? He's saying, nope, not Asia. So verse 7, and they had come, after they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit, what? Did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, or he might, you could say he had a dream. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So in other words, they tried to go to two other places, and the Lord said, Nope, nope, here's where I want you to go. So they went into all the world and preached the gospel. I mean, no, eventually Asia got hit. Okay, so what I'm saying is, is that with authority and jurisdiction, sometimes people go, well, why didn't it work? Did the Lord lead you to do it? (laughs) Pretty good, isn't it? It's true. It's a reality. There are many people that are going, and there's a lot of teaching on authority right now. And it's a lot of it, you know, is great and true. But sometimes they miss these points. They miss the reality of the fact that, oh, wait a minute. I, my, I'll just put it to you like this. The graces and promises of God and the realities of, of the truths that we see, the principles, the truths in the scripture, they all function at maximum octane through fellowship. And you cannot, I, this is what I've noticed about the Lord, you cannot pigeonhole him. In other words, people put it like this too. They say, you can't put God in a box. You have to have a relationship with him that's working and operating daily. It's, how many notice it's easy to get, especially if you've been saved for a few years, to get into patterns that almost ruts in your relationship with him that almost become unhealthy. It's almost like the Lord gets bored with you. You know, have you ever had times where it feels like the Lord's like just right there in the room? And then there's these seasons where it's like, what's going on? Whenever that happens, I'm always like, okay, Lord, what, where do I need to adjust? Not that I'm in some sort of major sin, but what are you saying to me individually right now? In my individual relationship with the Lord, I don't let prophets lead me. I don't. You say, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? They can have general words For the body of Christ that can function and fit within my relationship with the Lord. But my relationship with the Lord is not contingent on another minister. It's between me and the Lord. You know, the secret place. There should be aspects of your relationship with the Lord that your spouse doesn't even know about. You know, there are things that the Lord has told me and I've seen that none of, nobody knows, not even my wife. Why? They're between me and the Lord. If he ever tells me to share them, I will. Sometimes you just don't want to share them. Get your own relationship. Why you got to siphon off mine? 
But yet there are people, that it's the nature of the flesh to do this. There are people that have no relationship in the natural. In other words, they're not married to anybody. But they live off of soap opera relationships. To the point that if you, have you ever done this? You ever talk to somebody about a TV show or something and it's almost like they think they're a part of that world? I'm like, man, you need to take a break. You know? And it's not just those shows. I mean, guys, sports. We went and scored a touchdown. I didn't go score anything. Those guys who lift weights all day and practice, they did it. But it's my team. It's not even my team. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's like maybe there's something wrong here, you know. But it's true. That happens. And so we need to be aware of that. These principles work because of relationship. All right, let's go to uh, authority or jurisdiction with family. Go to Mark 5. If you would, please. Either hit your phone and swipe or turn the pages one or the other. If you have your Bible with you. Mark 5.21. Now watch this jurisdiction. Here's some jurisdiction. Some authority. And this is for family. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of, of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Skip down to verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now watch this, verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken... He said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. In other words, what is Jesus telling this man? You have jurisdiction here. Don't give in to something you shouldn't. Do you see that? Don't, what, did he, what did Jesus say to him? He said what? Do not be afraid, only believe. Can I ask you something? Can you do that? Jesus said you could A lot of times what people, what people are doing is, is they're identifying with their feeling instead of their will. And you can choose faith over fear. Do you know you can choose, you can choose to speak and to uh, acknowledge and recognize from your heart and speak faith when you're totally trembling with fear? And what is that? It's, an, it's a decision of the will to agree with God. You can grow to the place in your relationship with the Lord that fear doesn't control your, how your body reacts to things. Come on now. Don't, don't skip, don't skip uh, uh, lines on me here. Remember we talked about Peter and Jesus. Peter's in prison. He's going to be executed. They're not joking around. James is dead. It's not like they're like, oh, we threaten you Christians. We're going to kill you. No, James is dead. And the Jews were like, woohoo! So they're like, let's arrest Peter too. They, he knows. This is on. I mean, the, the pamphlets have been printed. 
Execution tomorrow, come see. You, you guys, sometimes we don't realize this, but it was like, you know, going to the fair today. They had vendors. They had all sorts of stuff at the executions. It, it was part of the, the day, the entertainment. Come see the criminal be killed. And so even in the midst of that, what's Peter doing? He has such control over his body, he's sleeping. The real, the real, here's the real, this is the, an area where it's, you're going to have to, well, you just, you, as you grow in your relationship the, with the Lord, this will happen. You'll realize that you are not a body. You are a spirit. Your, your body is simply the house you live in. Now, don't just take my word for that. Search the scriptures and see if it's right. Paul said, Peter said, I'm going to put off my tent. Why did he call his body his tent? Because he's not, it, let me ask you a question. If you're in a tent, are you the tent? You're inside the tent, right? Say so you, you know, uh, go to Red Lodge and you brave the bears and uh, <laughs> you sleep in a tent. Okay. You're inside that tent. Are you the tent? No, you're inside the tent, right? Well, you're not this physical body. You're inside of it. These eyes, they're just windows you're looking through. Ears, all this stuff. This is just a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. And one day it'll be glorified. That'll be nice, won't it? I know. We've talked about this many times. I'm going to walk through walls and scare people. So, (laughs) I don't have a spirit of fear, you know. (laughs) So anyway, what we see here, as soon as Jesus heard the word, in other words, what does this dad have as authority over his daughter? Don't allow fear in. Why tell the dad not to fear? It's the daughter who's sick. Come on. Right? Because he carries jurisdiction as the father. Now, eventually, this goes away. Okay? I'm just going to say that with you. So you know. In other words, when your kids get to a certain age, it's on them to know and to live by faith. Okay? And to walk by faith. Now, I will say this. You can always assist your family. You can always assist with your strong faith anybody that will allow you to. Okay, they'll give you permission to. I've watched it happen so many times as a pastor. I'll go into a situation, people are kind of scared, and I'll just start talking to them, and then I'll get them to align with me, and I'll say, now stay with me. I'm going to use my faith on your behalf, and you use yours, and man, we can get that situation turned around quick. And what seemed like something devastating, all of a sudden it changes. You say, you say how do you know how to do that? For years. I learned principles at first, but now it's just become a part of who I am. It's interesting. Some of the hardest ones that I've had, I've been able to, or not been able to do that with is with my personal family. It's been some of the hardest. Where I should be able to more there, but I, I just haven't. I'm not talking about my wife's side. I'm talking about my side of the family. It's, it's been an interesting thing. 
It's too bad, too, because I really do have good faith. And you just think I'm bragging, but I'm not. I have good faith. It's not, it's not done, okay? It's got some perfecting still. But I really, I mean, I've intentionally used my faith for years. I've intentionally gotten into situations and purposely never called my parents for help. Now, there are times I've called my parents for help. But I, I, when I figured out, wait a minute, I need to develop my faith because they're not going to be around forever. I intentionally backed off it and went, let's go to war. And the inter- this is what I love about faith. I need to move on, but this, somebody needs to hear this. This is what I love about faith. Faith jumps out into the waters and just starts walking. Because he, it heard the Lord say, come. You know what else I know about the Lord? If I start gargling salt water, he'll grab me. And I will cry out to him. Now the goal is to not do that. The goal is to walk all the way out and walk all the way back with the Lord. And don't give Judas your wallet. (laughs) Guy's always trying to hold somebody's money. (laughs) So in other words, what? Don't allow the fear. So you have jurisdiction in your family. Sometimes with your family, if you see they're going through something, your other family, and there and there's a relationship there that works, and that's uh, pliable, ask them. Say, hey, let me use my faith with you, and we'll ask the Lord and start using that jurisdiction, use that authority there, and God will start moving. Amen. It'll be great. It'll be good. So Jesus went, and the daughter was raised up. I want to show you something in verse forty here. And this is a side note, but it's a good one. So Jesus walked in. I'm going to read verse 39. He says, when he came in, he said to them, now he's at Jairus' house with the daughter, and everybody's crying and weeping because she's dead. He said, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Watch this. Verse 40. And they ridiculed him. Have you ever been ridiculed for believing something that looked like it wasn't true? Good, you're in good stead. You're along with the Lord. Okay? He said, and then uh, look at this. It says, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him, and he entered where the child was lying. Jesus put them all outside. Do you know what that word means? To put them out? It means to cast out, to drive out, to send out. With the included notion of more or less violence. That's the Greek. Isn't that nice? You know, most people think Jesus, you know, standing by the door of the house. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next week. Mm -mm. He went, you're leaving. And it will be with more or less violence. (laughs) It's up to you. You decide. (coughs) Excuse me. You decide which it's going to be. You know what I mean? And so in the midst of that here, Jesus does this and he puts them out. Why? Because of unbelief. What's he doing? He's using his authority. He's establishing jurisdiction. And he's going to minister resurrection. You see that? Now, if you read through that passage, I, I, I recommend that you go back and read that whole story. You'll see where he even separated out a bunch of his disciples. And he only took a few. Why? I'm guessing because they weren't afraid. 
If I look at the whole context of it and watch the progression of what takes place and why he does what he does, you know, you, how many know it's okay to think these things through? Okay? So if I look at it and I, and I look at it in context, what he did, that tells me some of those disciples needed to stay away because the emotional attachment or whatever, a physical, whatever the emotional or physical attachment or effect of a dead little girl to them was stopping the ability for a resurrection. Or I shouldn't say stopping, maybe hindering is a better word. So we need to be aware of that, you know what I mean, in, in some of these things. So even in your jurisdiction and in your authority, be aware of who's around you. Are they in faith? Are they in faith? Why well, go and talk to my friend about my problems? Are they in faith? Because if they're not, you need to quit talking to them. If all you're rehearsing is the problem, then you're not rehearsing the answer. If all you're rehearsing is the problem, fear is manifesting and increasing. If you rehearse the answer, faith comes by and hearing by the what? Word of God, right? It has to be the Word of God in order for faith to... Well, you're just not functioning in reality. Well, I might be functioning in a higher reality than you are. Because fear needs something to feed on. I read this today uh, somewhere, I don't remember where, but they made this statement that God or the devil wants you to fear like God wants you to be in faith. <laughs> so we need to resist fear. What does that mean? I don't care if you've got to stand and look at yourself in the mirror, weeping, going, and, and every, you know, maybe the doctor told you everything's going wrong. I don't know. Whatever problem the problem is, maybe you feel super lonely. Maybe it's a depression thing. I don't care what it is. Maybe it's past things that have taken place. You know, sometimes you just need to stand and look in the mirror and go, I don't care if I'm crying right now or not. God's bringing me out of this. I'm coming out on this other side, and I'm going to be different, and God's going to get the glory. Because I'm a new creation. There were times in my life where I said, devil, I don't care. You, you may kill this body, but as long as I draw breath, I'm going to believe. And guess what he's not been able to do? Kill me. <laughs> you see that? So that needs to be in you as well. And as long as it's functioning in you and you continue to fellowship with the Lord, you'll make it through. I will not promise you that you will not have trouble. Because that's nonsense. You're here, it's happening. Now, I don't think you should believe for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think you should go around going... I'm going to prove my faith. Come on, bring the trouble. You don't even have to do that. <laughs> okay? Trouble's everywhere. Okay? It's going to be, but we can believe in the middle of it. And we can manifest the goodness of God. Amen? So, go over to Luke 5, 17. Let's talk about, uh, sorry, John 5, 1. I went to the wrong spot. Luke 5, 17 will be the next one. How's that? John 5, 1. Let's look at a few more here. Sorry, go to Matthew 12, 15. <laughs> I'm preaching like Billy Miller right now. <laughs> some of you understand that, some of you don't. <laughs> Matthew 12, 15, healing. Jurisdiction. <laughs> Matthew 12, 15. Yes, I am sure. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them. Okay? Go over to Luke 6.19. Luke 
Luke 6, 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Go to John 5, 1. I know I'm making you run. If you don't want to turn to him, you just mark him down. This is Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So where's he at? He's in Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of what? Blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. So a great multitude means a large number. It means a throng or a populace. It means a bundle. This is a bundle of sick people. They are blind, lame, they're paralyzed. And I do not understand all this, so I'm not going to pretend that I do. But apparently an angel came down and like splashed in the water for a while, took off, and whoever got in first got healed just like that. I'm not aware of anywhere like that today. Okay, maybe there is, I don't know. And I don't even understand, you know, why this is happening. To be honest, I have no idea. Just, I guess, the mercy of God, I don't know. But there's a ton of people here that are what? They're sick, right? They're sick. So, uh, verse 5 says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? So what we see right here, and what, you, what I would go back and reference where it, it says he healed them all, what you see there is they were following and seeking him. What you see right here is a manifestation of the gift of the Spirit. This is irrespective of man's will here. This is a manifestation of the five, or the nine gifts of the Spirit. Not only is there a manifestation of miracle and healing taking place, but there's also a manifestation of the word of knowledge because he knows the guy's been sick for a long time. How does he know that? Because the Holy Spirit told him, right? So we see here that he starts to talk to him. Jesus said to him, or the sick man said in verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sir... I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. <coughs> Excuse me. When the water is stirred up, but when I am coming, another steps down before me. Verse 8. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that, and that day was the Sabbath. How many others were healed? None. Does Jesus not have authority over all sickness? Does he not have it over all sickness? Jesus said what? I only do what I see my father. And I only, I only say what I hear him. So how are all the others healed? And these not all healed. Because it's not all up to Jesus. And there are times where the gifts of the spirit operate. And... The, the, the uh, flow of the anointing in that area where it's as the Spirit wills. Okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. And this is one of those times. Was Jesus... Okay, we need to, we need to hit this even more. I'm, I can tell we're having fun with this one. I am not preaching to you a, a, uh, 
a doctrine right now where I'm telling you that sometimes it's God's will to heal and sometimes it's not. We'll get to it, but I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you there are jurisdictions and authorities. So, <coughs> excuse me, on the other side of it, I guess I could drink the water Herb gave me. I got a scratch in my throat. All right. So on the other occasions where he healed them all, what's taking place? There's cooperation with the jurisdiction and authority of Jesus in their lives. They're cooperating with him. He's in a place. He's going out to a place and they're following him. They're going to him, pursuing him in faith. And he's healing them all. Why? Because he's functioning in the authority that he possesses and they're drawing on it. Does that make sense? <coughs> Excuse me. And they're drawing on it. What's taking place here at the pool of Bethesda? They aren't even aware that Jesus is there as far as I know. Or that he's, he's a he, They're there focused on what? The pool of Bethesda. They're, they're focused on that angel's going to show up any minute. And if it's a person who can't really move well, they got a buddy with them going, all right, when that water starts moving, you shove me in, all right? <laughs> I would. I mean, if that's, you know what I mean? Maybe my mind's not working right on that, but that's how I see it. In other words, this is a gift of the Spirit in operation. In other words, the Father demonstrated. Now, what is the man getting up and walking away a testimony of? The rest of them could come. And go after Jesus and receive. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. So we see here, and really the question is, I'll get down to the two questions here. Let's see if I can find them. Because this will clear it up for you. Man, I hope I can find them. Oh, this is this is what the, I just thank you, Lord. Did Jesus heal all? The answer is no. When Jesus was on the earth, did he heal all? He did not. Is it Jesus's will that all are healed? Yes. Jurisdictions, authorities, leadings. You are not going to be able to just walk through the earth willy-nilly and just start kicking every sickness and disease out. You're not going to be able to do it. I don't care what you think. Human wills are going to come into play. Let me ask you something. If that were the case, why don't we just get everybody saved? Some people don't want God. <clears throat> it's just a reality. They do not want God in their lives at all. I've watched videos of people who went to pray for somebody on the street. And this person had a leg brace on and I don't know if they had hurt their leg or something, but then they had surgery. This guy said, you're not going to pray for me. And he cussed the guy out and said, it'll heal on its own. Guess what's not happening in that leg? A divine supernatural quick recovery outside of, and I'm going to say this, the sovereign move of the mercy of God. But even then, that's as the Lord wills. Amen? Okay. 
Let's keep moving here. Actually, maybe I should keep this water handy. Go to uh, 2 Timothy 4.19. Boy, I'm not going to get through all these. I have such high hopes. 2 Timothy 4.19. Greet Prisca and Aquila. I love these names. And I don't even know if I'm saying them right. And the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth. But Trophimus, I what? I left in Miletus what? What did Paul do? <coughs> he what? Did Paul understand his authority? Did he? I think so. He wrote about it. You say, why are you showing? You're depressing me. No, I'm not. You're all caught up in your emotions. If you get out of them, you'd realize that this is not something. There's, there's separations here. There's jurisdictions. There's authorities. There has to be cooperation. There has to be cooperation at times. Now, are you saying, am, am I saying that God can't come into a room and heal people on his own mercies? No, of course he can do that. But we're talking about spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. I can come and run the enemy, <coughs> excuse me, out of your life if you allow me and work with me on it. But I can't just do it. You know, I can, I can come to a, a drug addict and go, I take authority over those drugs in your life in the name of Jesus. You'll no, you'll no longer be a drug addict if they choose. If they choose to yield to what the Lord has said, and to cooperate, yes, that can happen if they're open to it. But I can't just decide for them. I can't do it. It's just like this right here. You know, some people might consider this a sin on Paul's part. The way I've heard some people teach on authority and healing. In their zeal. I can't believe Paul left Trophimus sick there. Trophimus has his own faith. Now, this is where people don't like it. This is where it gets down to where people don't like it. Because they, they want to put it off on everybody else. They want to remain a baby spiritually all their lives and hope somebody else will, will pick up their slack. That only works for so long. Eventually, you have to develop. Now, you can always have somebody assist you. But you won't always be able to have somebody do it for you. Amen? All right. I thank you for putting up with this me uh, coughing here. All right. Let's go. Let's do one more and then we'll end here. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to have to do them quick. Okay. <coughs> Sorry, Josh. I'm going to have to edit them things out, aren't I? <laughs> Mark 4, verse 35, the Jesus storm. Actually, it's not the Jesus storm, but it's the one he was in. How many know when Jesus has an earthquake, everybody gets saved and nobody gets hurt? All right. Mark four thirty-five. on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. Apparently it was a 
bunch of boats. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So Jesus, in the middle of this storm, rebukes the storm. Thing shuts down completely, right? He's functioning in authority. Something had come against him. The Lord had obviously told them to go to the other side, right? And so he's functioning in his authority. He calms the storm down completely. All right? Go to Acts 27. Let's look at Paul's storm. A lot of times what happens is we get so focused on the negative, we miss the positive. You know that? You know, like people think the pool of Bethesda, they think, well, why didn't, why didn't Jesus heal all those other people? First of all, you're not God, so you better be careful. Secondly, why are you not rejoicing over the one that was healed? Okay? So we miss these things sometimes because we're so naturally minded. Well, if these preachers were real, if this stuff was real, my life would be different. Your life would be different if you quit feeling sorry for yourself. And believe God. Why is it somebody else's responsibility to be intimate with the Lord for you? Think about it. That's weird. (laughs) That's like me asking somebody else to be intimate with my wife for me. That's weird. I can know the Lord. You can know the Lord for yourself. Now, you should have help in that and teaching and and hear good things with that. But I'm telling you, we need to know the Lord for ourselves. And out of fellowship and relationship, we will function in authority with jurisdiction like we should. In our own lives, and then it will increase from there. Do you realize this? There are some situations that you have little to no control over other than you can pray that the Lord will open the person's eyes. Stop being depressed about it and enjoy the Lord. Go on. Well, you don't know. It's my first cousin twice removed. You know. Uh Uh-huh. Go on. The Lord is more important than any one of your family members and your relationship with him. Well, it hurts my emotions. Then get intimate with the Lord and let him fix them. Amen? Um, I think it was Susan shared this in prayer. It had to be three or four months ago. We were praying about, and she was talking about intimacy with the Lord. And that there are certain places with the Lord where the door's shut and nobody else goes in but you and the Lord. It's a secret place. If we're going to be strong, we got to know the Lord. Do you know you can have you can have joy even if your spouse is a grump? I don't know what that's like because my spouse ain't a grump. So, but I'm telling you, you can have joy. In the Lord, irrespective of what other people do. Even if it's your spouse. You don't have to let them control you. Why give them that power? 
Why give them a place in you that only the Lord should have? You say, boy, that's strong. I know, I'm working on it. I am getting there more and more. And my wife's not even a grump. You know what I mean? But I can have joy no matter what happens. Why? The joy of the... Oh, not the joy of my circumstance. You can be happy with everything going wrong. Because you're in faith. Faith is revealed. You know, joy reveals faith. Acts 27. Go down to verse 9. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, (coughs) Paul advised them. You know what this was? A Holy Ghost warning. (laughs) Paul advised them. Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. What is that? That's a warning. Do you know what that word advised means? In other words, he gave them notice. But where is Paul speaking from? The Holy Spirit. What is he speaking from? His authority. What is he perceiving? The Holy Spirit is revealing to him that if they continue to sail, there's disaster and much loss of cargo ship and possibly lives ahead. Would the Holy Spirit tell you that? Apparently so. So, if you read on, it says that, nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded. You see that? You know, they probably said, Paul, you're not a sailor. You're a preacher and a prisoner. Why should we listen to this guy? Yeah. Paul, you're a, you build tents. You don't know anything about boats. You don't know about weather patterns. What do you know? And they were persuaded away from the Holy Ghost into what? Reason. Let me say this. Knowledge. Human knowledge, but knowledge. In other words, these these guys that are talking, you wouldn't look at them and go, you guys are dumb. You know anything about sailing? They know stuff about sailing. And they persuaded them the other direction. I love Paul. He's just phenomenal. And then the wind blew a little direction the way they thought it was going, or, or, or in a good direction for them. And so they said, supposing they had obtained what they had obtained their desire, they put out to sea and they sailed by Crete, close by Crete. But not long after, it says, a tempestuous headwind arose called a Euroclidon. So he even had a name. They named him back then, too. You know, they name him now, but they named him back then, too. You know, now they give him Spanish names for some reason. I'm not sure why that is, but. You know, different names for all these storms. But they, they, this takes place. So then a storm happens. And then everything starts getting tore up. And then verse 21 says this, Then Paul stood in the midst of him and said, Men, you should have listened to me. <laughs> I think this is hilarious. We should not have sailed to, uh, to Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Paul is so humble. It's phenomenal. Hey, guys. I was right, you were wrong. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, to me, this gives me license to do this. Of course, it could be done to me too. So he says this, 
Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. How did he know that? Why didn't Paul just stand up in the edge of the boat and say, peace, be still? Wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. See, people do this to say, well, we can talk to the weather. Can you? How do you know you can? So I watch some preachers and I think to myself, guys, we don't have authority over the weather so we can pick what it is that day. You know what I mean? I don't see Jesus walking around going, watch this, guys, snow bee. I don't see that. Okay, now, so snow stop, uh, sun come out. No. No. That's That's not understanding what's been given to us. Now, if the Lord told you to fly somewhere to minister, and you know you heard from the Lord, and he told you to get on an airplane or a boat or whatever it is, and you're going to that place and a storm comes up, you know in the midst of that, what do you have? Authority. You can speak to it, right? But if you're just on a trip somewhere and you just decided it because you obtained what you wanted out of it and disaster starts happening, you may only come out of it with your life, which would be enough. Because you weren't led in it in the first place. In other words, our authority has boundaries. There are jurisdictions we must be led. It has to be built or exercised out of fellowship and relationship with him. Now listen, guys. This is the reality. And there's so many more that I could look at. I encourage you. Go through the Gospels and watch Jesus. Watch what he does. Go through the book of Acts and watch how authority was exercised. Do you know the disciples did not just go around raising every person from the dead? They did not. Now, when they were invited, why? Authority, jurisdiction. Authority and jurisdiction. Read through it. Think. Don't just, don't just swallow what you hear, but look and hear from the Lord. This is one thing you can always do in every situation. You can always pray and ask the Lord, what should I do? What should I do? Lord, where can I work? And, and maybe, it's something, maybe at first it's something like the Lord will tell you, well, you really don't have any jurisdiction here, but you could go talk to that person and begin a conversation with them. And once you do, then maybe, they'll, if they start to open up, you can see, okay, we, we can probably work here. I do this all the time. You say, what do you mean you do it all the time? Sometimes I'll get called to go pray for somebody in the hospital who has cancer and they're dying. And the, fam- the whole family's there. What am I doing on the way there? I'm d- on the way there, I'm praying, going, Lord, well, how do you want to do this? Is there a gift of the Spirit here, or do I just need to go right to the Word and start using my authority there? Lord, how am I going to get them to agree with me? I walked into one place. This lady was completely jaundiced. And she had cancer. I think it was of her liver or something like that. I walked in. Her husband, or not her husband, her son, who lives in Minnesota, called the church that I was at because he was part of the same denomination, and asked somebody to go pray for this lady. I walked in there. 
the, 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 the lady that was sick was basically unresponsive, and she had a sister who was there. It was either a sister or sister-in-law who was kind of running the show. And I said, I was sent here by her son or asked to come here by her son to pray for her healing. This lady looked at me that was in charge of the area and said, she doesn't need that right now. What does she need there, smarty? I wanted to come unglued, but I didn't. It wouldn't have done any good anyway. But what am I going to do in that situation? Because the lady's almost unresponsive, so I'm not going to get anything out of her. The son is not even in the same state, and this lady here is calling the shots, who has apparently no faith at all for healing. Unless the... Unless there's a sovereign manifestation of mercy, there's not much I'm going to be able to do. Because what they're telling me is, no, Jesus. In fact, they're not even saying it to me. They're saying, Jesus, no, you can't heal here. Sorry. You go somewhere else. They're ridiculing him. You see that? So we need to be aware of that. I've walked into, I walked into, I walked into Billings Clinic. This is a while back. Got a call from a lady. Uh, from a guy to go visit his mom. I walked in there. She's in intensive care unit in the, you know, everything's, you know, it's, it's everything's beeping and all that yeah, stuff. She's she got tubes and plugs and all that stuff coming in and out. I walked in there. She turned around. She looked at a little Spanish lady, like gr- kind of a grandma age, you know, maybe a little younger. She looked at me and she said, she said, why are you here? And I said, well, so-and-so called me and asked me to pray for you. And she goes, oh, yes. I put my hands on her. I said, in the name of Jesus, and started praying for her. All these things start going off in that place. Ding, dong, dong. I mean, all this stuff's going off. The nurse comes walking in, and she looks at me, and she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying for her. What does it look like I'm doing? I'm a minister. I can go where I want. You know what I mean? I got a license. <laughs> so literally, I mean, I can do a lot of things because I'm ordained. And they cannot stop me because there's legalities there. You know, I'm talking about in the natural. It's great. And, uh, and she's like, oh, okay. She goes, wow. She goes, you can come pray for her anytime. And I never found out exactly all that happened. But apparently, according to the nurse, it was bad and it went to good. Why? Because she gave me the authority to pray with her. And what do I use when I pray? My faith. Do you see that? If I can get you to agree, even if you're really weak in faith in an area, if I can get you to agree with me, we'll, we'll make progress quick. Amen? Father, we thank you for tonight and your word. Lord, we love your authority that you've given us. We love you. Lord, teach us. Show us more. As we read, as we study your word, as we pray in fellowship with you, speak to our hearts and we'll use our authority. Lord, in our families, in our workplaces, and in the world you have us in. Lead us and guide us by your spirit, and we will be that body, Lord, that goes into all our world and preaches the gospel where you lead and guide us. We will see, Lord, miracles, signs, and wonders. The lame walk, sick, those that are sick healed, those that are oppressed by the enemy set free and delivered, demons cast out. Because you're faithful and you're good, and we purpose to walk and live as you walk and live as your disciple. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. 
If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.